And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you as we kick off a new week here on Raider Nation Radio. And a huge night. It's kind of a national holiday as we get ready for the national championship game against Gonzaga and Baylor. What a game coming off the Final Four on Saturdays as we're brought to you by PT's, the best happy hour in town. And it will be pretty amazing tonight at all the 64-plus locations, Sierra Gold, PT's Brewing Company, all the PT's in town here. This is a great night to get out there and see what we've been talking about. All the games are on ready for you, head on out to PT's, they fuel the monologue, and tonight is a big, big night in Vegas. Not only to bet the game, have a good time with the game, but be there for food and drink specials. This is what they do best, Uh, head on out to a PT's tavern near you as they get us going, or the Stratosphere Arizona Charlies, where all the games will be on, all the TVs, but especially tonight, with the national championship game. I don't reinvent the wheel when we have big, big, big Raiders content. We lead with it. When we don't, I follow the format. And tonight is the national championship game, which I think has an opportunity to be one of the great historic nights in sports history. We have to go back to 1976 when Bobby Knight in Indiana won the national championship by going undefeated. That is a long, long time for something that could happen tonight with Gonzaga doing something special. So I'm really excited about that because I don't want to get in the way of history, and I want to see history happen. If Baylor wins, look, you tip your cap to Baylor. They're a one seed. They're a very good team. They could win it all too, and, you know, it's not as big of a storyline as Gonzaga getting it done, period. So we saw what happened on Saturday. I'm going to be spending a lot of the show talking about the uh, semifinal game against UCLA. If you were out, if you watched that game in a sports book, you were somewhere here in town, how great of a moment was that for you? Share a story. Where did you watch that game? Were you at the Westgate? Were you at PTs? Were you at Circus Stadium Swim? Where did you see the game-winning shot by Jalen Suggs, and what impact did it have on you? Because no matter what happens in sports, and I always say this, every year of our lives, there's many great things that happen in sports. And the more sports you like, the more sports you get into, the more opportunity you have for that. If you're just a fan of one sport and that's all you care about, you live and die with the team. If the team doesn't win or doesn't make the playoffs, it could be rough. But when you open up your mind and you follow sports on a global level, and then you catch that game on Saturday night, everybody was buzzing about it and talking about it. I mean everybody. And I went back and watched it again on Sunday. I went back and watched the fourth quarter and overtime, and it was just as good, just as good watching the replay because I was in a restaurant when it went down and it was kind of tough to focus on the game. So I went back and watched it, and I took calls on it last night on my SiriusXM show, and, and the stories were great, just how families were together and people were watching it as we didn't have the tournament last year because of COVID. Now we have the tournament, and we have a national championship game. I am, I am disappointed that there's only 8,200 in attendance for the game. I thought they really missed the boat on that. I think they're playing at a football stadium, Lucas Oil, home of the Colts. It's a football stadium. It's enormous. I was just there two years ago. It's a great football stadium. 
and they should have been able to get twenty or 30000 in for this game. Because I, I bring it back to Vegas. How are we going to get 70000 for Garth Brooks? How are we going to get 65000 for the Raiders if we're sitting here in April and they're only putting 8200 in attendance? So that's a bit of a concern for me, but it'll look good on TV tonight. And who do you got winning the game? Who do you think will win the game? Who do you have winning the game? And how are you going to bet it? Because a, a lot of guys and gals got it wrong this year. It was tough to bet during COVID in all sports. And now tonight, this becomes an interesting point spread for me as Gonzaga is a four-and-a-half point favorite. Total on the game is 159-and-a-half. I like Gonzaga to win because I embrace history. I don't think they'll cover. They barely beat UCLA, and I didn't think UCLA was very good when the tournament began. I thought that they were probably going to be left out of the tournament, and they got all the way to the national championship uh, quarter uh, semifinal, the final four which was fantastic. It really was phenomenal to see a coaching staff put that together and for everybody to show up and play for UCLA the way they did. So I'd like to hear from you on this because this is what I do. I'm a sports talk host. I don't do, you know, two hours or three hours of Raiders a day if, the, if it's just not overwhelming to me. And this is not an overwhelming time. It will start this week and the end of next week when we go balls out on the draft. I will make sure better than anybody you've ever heard in your life on the radio, that we will have you ready for that 17th pick. I promise you. And as I've been embracing this topic, I think the Raiders caught a huge break, a massive break this year, because they don't have a great draft pick. They have the 17th pick. That is not great. But the fact that all the quarterbacks are going because everybody's desperate to get a quarterback and the Raiders don't need one with Derek Carr, that all of those quarterbacks going early is going to enable a very good player to drop to the Raiders. On the offensive line or in the secondary or on the defensive line, the Raiders should have no problem. As I've been telling you, I'm going to go through the list of the players that they won't be able to get unless they trade up. And there's about 10 or 11 players, but five of them are quarterbacks. So then there's about five or six players that they probably won't get from Kyle Pitts at tight end because they have Waller. Penny Sewell, the great offensive lineman from Oregon, because he'll be gone early. Maybe a wide receiver like Jamar Chase, who will be gone early. But then other than that, the Raiders are sitting there at 17, and they're golden because they're going to be able to get a right tackle or they're going to be able to get a defensive player who's ready to start. And probably in another draft would have went 11, 12, 9, 13. That's going to drop to the Raiders at 17. So if the Raiders just hold firm at 17... I think they'll get that player who could be a really big difference maker. The other problem on this becomes, do the Raiders need to trade up? Do they need to trade up? I would to get Micah Parsons, the great linebacker of Penn State. I would, but I'm not running the team. I would trade up from number 17 to number 8 or 9 and go get him. Because I think if the Raiders got a player like this, we wouldn't have to talk about this anymore. And we've been talking about it for over a decade, and the Raiders don't have a linebacker who could play at a high level. They have guys. They don't have pro bowlers. And this guy could be the game changer. So I'm really high on Micah Parsons being that player. Or if they get a right tackle and they wanted to trade up because they felt that their right tackle choice was a player that they couldn't miss on, I would be okay moving up in the draft this year because we've moved on from the Khalil Mack trade. We've moved on for that trade from years. And I thought it was important. I thought it was important to hold on to those Khalil Mack draft picks. And I think you did too, as I took your calls on that over the years. 
Now, Friday we weren't here for Colt Miller. As Colt Miller had his press conference, and this is something that I want to spend a little bit of time with. Uh, Frank Hawkins is going to join us at the bottom of the hour, the former Raider running back, Super Bowl 18 champ. Great businessman here in town, a friend of the show. So Frank's going to join us at 1230. Also, Mark Anderson will join us from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. And then we have another college basketball guest uh, to get us going. Other than that, I'm wide open today. Leave Mondays open for you to get on the radio at 702-365-9200. And to me, today is a working vacation because this game's on tonight and I'm totally focused on the game like everybody in my industry. So I'd really like you to kind of focus on Gonzaga and Baylor and talk about that if you have something you want to add to the show. Here's Colt Miller from his press conference and the fact that he got the extension, which it seemed like he was a bit surprised that he got it this early. I was actually surprised coming into, uh, uh, coming out of year three, going into year four, uh, you know, you, you dream about this, you know, when you're a little kid and, uh, or, and through the season. Uh, but um, I'm excited, definitely excited uh, to continue my career here, um, continue to work hard and, and prove to the coaches, prove to this team, you know, um, that, uh, you know, that I'm invested and uh, I'm going to continue to get better. Now, this is a very important moment for John Gruden. That was Gruden's pick, right? Gruden wanted him. And a lot of people couldn't understand why the Raiders traded back and what they did getting Colton Miller at the time. How would I know? I was on the radio live when it happened. And everybody else was in shock. He was not on the Raiders' radar from a media perspective. No one in the media thought Colton Miller. The Raiders were going to trade out of number 10 where Josh, you know, you look at Josh Rosen, a quarterback was there. Arizona traded with the Raiders and the Raiders moved back and got Colton Miller. And some of the greatest Raider fans I know that I know and I trust had no idea. And they were very critical of it. And Colt Miller turned out to be a hell of a player. I believe that he will be a perennial pro bowler starting now. Like, he'll do what Lincoln Kennedy was able to do. Lincoln went to a number of pro bowls. I think Colt Miller will end up doing that. And for the amount of grief that Gruden has got over the years and what he's had to deal with as of late with COVID and the team and the inability of players to play – Colt Miller is exactly what John Gruden wanted to do when he took this job. He wanted to find players in his mold who would be great players that would show up to work with a lunch bucket, not be dramatic, not be drama queens, go to work and become great players. I wish Gruden would get more credit from you for this pick because you don't seem to give him a lot of credit when something big happens. When a signing comes, Yannick Ngakwe, Colt Miller extension. So I'm trying to balance it. That's all. You know, am I heavy? Do I lean towards Gruden? Sure. But what the hell would we be doing if you didn't have me here leaning towards Gruden? What, a two-hour show every day that rips the coach? Where fans rip the team all the time? Yeah, that's why I am here. To get a little bit of a balance to what's good when it's good. Colt Miller is very good. And I don't hear a peep out of anybody on this. A couple of people called on Colt Miller. And the, the rest of the people just forgot about it because they're based on negativity, and they want to be critical on everything that happens every day, which is really why sports radio is in business. So if I can get nine calls a show and eight of them are negative, I can deal with it. But when Colt Miller resigns early and he's really excited about it and he's a Gruden pick, you would think that some sharp members of the Raider Nation would point this out. But we're not at that point right now. I don't know why. 
but we're not at that point. And I thought the team did pretty good last year. Team should have won 10 games. They were in the playoff hunt the entire year. They didn't play in front of any fans. They suffered COVID at a high level, and a lot of the players were injured and not available to play. And this team came down to their last game as a playoff contender. And they should have been in the playoffs. They just came up short with a couple of horrific, dramatic losses that the team should have won. No excuse. You're as good as your record, and the Raiders were an 8-8 eight eight team. One more from Colt Miller as he continues to work out, thrive to get better so he could be a lead at his position. You know, I just it's just the mentality to just uh, take it day at a time. Um, I know there was a lot of adver- adversity my uh, my rookie season. Um, I struggled through injury and and um, of course being a being a starter and uh, straight out of college. Um, but uh, no, I just took it day by day, um, improved as much as I can. Um, I'm going to continue to improve. Uh, you know, I'm going to get stronger. Um, improve my technique. Um, you know, it doesn't stop here. Uh, so, you know, I just took that mentality, um, and it's really helped me along along the way. You know what I loved about that soundbite? I think it's a really important point, that he came in as a rookie and he had a start. He had a start as a first-round pick, which I think should be a requirement to every football player in the NFL, any position. You get drafted in the first round, you get your ass on the field, and you play. And if, you get, if you're a high draft pick in the top 15, you try to compete early in your career to be a great player. And if you look at the draft last year with Amik Robertson, Tanner Muse, who got hurt, uh, Lynn Bowden, who wasn't here, right? You look at some of the players that were here that were drafted, they didn't play at a very high level, let alone play. And that's why this 17th pick in the upcoming draft is so important because that player has to be a plug-and-play starter for the Raiders, not a developmental player, not someone they're going to bring along. He's got to start the first game and help the team win 9, 10, 11 games. There's no more developing guys and taking a guy in the fourth round and he's fifth on the depth chart and he might make the team and he might get in for a couple plays. This is nonsense. These high draft picks got to play. That's what they did under Al Davis. They came into the league and they were ready to play. And they played in the biggest games, and they played at the highest level. So these new draft picks, number 17, I could give a blank who you pick. Give me a right tackle, give me a linebacker, give me a safety, whoever you want, but he better play, and he better compete and play at a high level. I don't think that's too much to ask for compared to what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did last year in the draft with their starters in the draft played great, and they all got Super Bowl rings. That's got to be the level of intensity around this Raider draft. And I think they're going to be great. I I really do. The only thing that would shock me is if the Raiders traded back. If they went from 17 and they moved back because they thought they had a better plan. That's the only thing that would shock me. Other than that, if they trade up, I'm in support of that. If they take the pick at 17 and whatever they do. But, you know, I told you that I was leaning pretty heavy towards the defense, right? And I don't want us to get lulled into this. Well, you know, the Raiders did pretty good. They got a bunch of defensive players in the offseason. No, 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 no. No. Go get a defensive stud. Make sure you have someone who is an alpha dog on that defense that can play at a high level. Because I haven't seen it from Cleveland Farrell yet, other than flashing. I've seen it from Max Crosby two years ago. Yannick Ngakwe comes in to be that player. We didn't see it from Littleton. We didn't see it from Kwiatkowski. I mean, Kwiatkowski's good. 
He's not great. Morrow played great for his ability. He's not Ray Lewis. He's not Ray Nitschke. And then the secondary needs a lot of help. And you need a right tackle in the Raider Nation. So there's a lot of business to get to here, and we'll get to all of it. Uh, before we get out to the calls at 702-365-9200, I want to get to the game-winning shot for Gonzaga. Suggs, this was the game-winner in overtime, which was really, I think, a Mount Rushmore, one of the top four plays in the history of this long-standing sport of college basketball. Let's go back to Saturday night. Dribbling to the right side, it's Juzang. Seven seconds to go. Six seconds. Juzang in the paint. Fade away. No. Got his own rebound. Slithers to the rim and lays it in. Three seconds to go. We're tied at 90. Here comes Suggs. Long three for the win. Banks at home. Banks at home. Jalen Suggs. A deep banked three to Sten Gonzaga. One step closer to history. Unbeaten Gonzaga comes up with the hero play of the year from the freshman. And their one win away from an undefeated national championship. 93-90, Gonzaga and Baylor playing Monday night for the title. Thanks to the star of the night, Jalen Suggs. Count the bucket, ball game over. 93-90, Bulldogs win it. Westwood won on the call, checked every box. Checked every box. The Leitner game winner against Kentucky came in a regional final. Villanova won on a buzzer beater in the championship game. That's really at the top of the list. I'm sure there were great shots made in the 50s, 60s, and 70s that I'm not aware of. On an air ball, Jim Valvano and NC State won on a putback, one of the great moments of all time. And Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan hit a game winner for North Carolina. Over Georgetown, Michael Jordan hit a game-winning shot in the final of the national championship game. But what I think makes this shot as special, if not more, is it kept an undefeated season alive. That's really special because if he doesn't make that shot and they lose, they lose the game, they lose the final four, they lose an opportunity to be undefeated. That's why I think, and the, the difficulty of that shot. Right, The difficulty of that shot moves it to the front of the line. I'd like to know where that stands with you in the history of sports. History of everything, from walk-off home runs in the World Series to everything you saw. I thought it was that tremendous. 702-365-9200. Chris in West Oakland. Always appreciate you starting us off. How are you, Chris? Hey, JT. Hey, congratulations, Colton Miller. I'll, I'll talk about I'll give you a call later in the week, but the kid has earned it. He showed up, especially his rookie year when he played most of the year on one leg, shows his willingness to fight through injuries. All I know is this, for the most part, Derek Carr's blind side is clean every week. That shows this kid's doing his job. You're going to protect the highest-paid guy on, on your team. You make the left tackle the second-highest-paid player. He's earned every cent, and congratulations. But you know what I'm calling about, JT. That, that game Saturday night, and before I get to that game and that shot, let me get the prediction out of the way tonight. I think Gonzaga will finish this off. I actually think Baylor – I'm not going to say easy because Baylor's a hell of a team. Baylor's going to try to run with UCLA with, – uh, with Gonzaga tonight. I just think the way they overplay on defense, I think um, Gonzaga is going to back cut these guys to death, look for Timmy to have a good game, and I believe they will finish it off. But that's nothing to take away from Baylor. But that game Saturday night, JT, ranks up there with one of the all-time great games. And not just the shot. 
What may, listen, Jordan hit a shot. They won 62 to 60. I believe it was the same when Jenkins there. Last night, I mean, Saturday night's game was so well played, JT. It was phenomenal shot after phenomenal shot. My hat's off to UCLA. This team would have beaten any team in the country by double figures other than Gonzaga Saturday night. They had two guys, JT, have career nights. Three guys scored more than three times their, career, their, their, their scoring average. They, um, every single starter shot over 50%. They made shot after shot, and for all the people that said Gonzaga couldn't handle a close game, with the every time UCLA hit a shot, they came down. That was championship basketball. Sometimes a close game isn't always a good game. That close game was a great game, JT, one of the best I've ever seen. And sub shot, much like Leitner's in the Elite Eight, becomes even bigger down the road if they finish it off tonight. If Gonzaga gets upset tonight, it's just another great moment. But like you said, if they finish it off, that shot becomes a Mount Rushmore of final four shots of all time because it extended a, a, an undefeated championship season. But again, my hat's off to UCLA. Uh, I, I just those kids could not have played with more heart, and that might have awakened the sleeping giant. Watch UCLA start recruiting again. There's no reason where that school's located, and with its pedigree, they shouldn't be in this mix every single year. But I'm going to go out tonight, JT Gonzaga, 88-81. They're going to finish it off, and Mark Few's going to get his title. And what more fitting way to do it in undefeated fashion? Thank you, my friend. I will talk to you soon. A brilliant phone call. Chris is special. He can give you a, a call in any sport, and he can make it that good. That's what we look to hear from. Not everybody can talk that way on the phone, but you can. You can try, and we'd love to get you on the radio, 702-365-9200. I was in shock. Shocked that UCLA shot 47% from three. Eight of 17, they shot 57.6% from the field. And Gonzaga shot 59% from the field. Gonzaga missed eight free throws in that game. They missed eight free throws. And that was important. That could have put the game away. But it was absolutely emotional and great. I'll tell the story a little bit later on the show. Saturday was my wife's birthday. And we went down a circuit of Chef Barry's downtown prime. What a night. What a night. And we gravitated from our table over to the bar at the end of regulation into overtime. And it was the right thing to do. But I can't imagine what it was like if you were in a sports book or somewhere. Being in a sports book in Vegas, this is why I say Vegas is, is college basketball. It's better than Indianapolis. There's no fun in Indianapolis. The fans who were there saw history, and then they did what? What'd they do? They went back to their hotel. What'd they do? They go to the Courtyard Marriott and what? Go to the bar? It's not Vegas. Vegas is electric. We have everything here. That's why we should have Final Fours here. That's why Allegiant Stadium will be putting on these big events because people will leave seventy or 80000 and then they'll go on the strip corridor and they'll go everywhere in town and have the time of their life and stay here for multiple days. That reminds me. Uh, today, when I opened up my Facebook memories, I saw two years ago today I toured Allegiant Stadium. And I had on the hard hat and the vest. I tweeted it out at JT the Brick if you want to see the photos. It was two years ago to the day. And the fact that that stadium's been open for a full NFL season already shows you what happens in this town. I mean, where else in America can you see the growth of a football stadium being built that quickly? And now we're all ready to go inside. People who've been going on the tours are loving it. People are really excited about what's going to happen here. 
But I would hope everybody's got an appointment. I'm not going to tell you what you should and can't do, but uh, vaccines are flying in arms. And more and more people that get vaccines mean more and more opportunities for fans to have an opportunity to go to some of these games, depending on what the rules are going to be. And as a kid, I didn't follow rules. But now as a dad, I've been following rules better over the years. So hopefully you're getting the deal done and you're ready to roll. The monologue was brought to you by the Henderson Hyundai Superstore, Boulder Highway in Henderson. And the only dealer in Las Vegas, Henderson, to offer 0% for 60 months. Those unbelievable award-winning Hondas are great. You might want a luxury vehicle, purchase or lease. They got the best financing in town. Uh, Frank and his team over there are great Golden Knight fans. Speaking of the Golden Knights, as we wrap up the monologue, yes, I'm getting a little nervous, a little bit nervous because of this Minnesota Wild team and how they match up so well and the fact that Colorado was lurking. So I like things to be easy in life. You know, sometimes I get frustrated on the radio. I tell Bobby, if we had 10 people on hold, my life would be easier. I'm pushing every day to get people to interact with me. And that's just part of the job during a pandemic. But with the Golden Knights, I wish there was a Stanley Cup already in that building. There should have been one already. And I thought last year or this year, it would be closer to easier to get the Stanley Cup. And now I'm starting to say, man, it's going to be tough. I mean, it is going to be a war to get out of the West for the Golden Knights. They got to do a better job clearing the crease. They got to do a better job in front of Flurry and Leonard. Too many guys are parking their ass in the crease and just sitting there and no one moves them out. You got guys like Petrangelo Stone, Alec Martinez. Get some of the, get Ryan Reeves back there and clear some of these guys out of the crease. All these cheap goals, all these deflections in front because no one's afraid of the Golden Knights moving bodies out of the crease. It's a big part of hockey. The greatest teams that win don't let little snipers and goal stores sit out in front of uh, sit out in front of Mark Andre Fleury. Give the guy some help. So I am getting a little bit nervous on that, and I am cranky Yankee. Yankees started off the season to look terrible. Twenty nine strikeouts in three games. I can go to Summerlin South Little League and see him put the ball in play more than that. Just embarrassing. So that's where we are. We have Frank Hawkins, who's great. You're gonna love Frank. If you're in Vegas, you know about his legendary high school career, his unbelievable career at UNR, one of the great leaders in Raider history, and one of the faces around town that everybody associates with the silver and black. He's going to join us coming up here in a little bit. And we like to get into college basketball today. If you have an opinion on the game, how to bet it, how to gamble it, we'd really like to know. 702-365-9200. This is the show where Raider fans have been coming for over 22 years for a reason and now we got this amazing app where you can just listen on your phone by downloading the Raider app for free and just click on the radio icon and you get the show the entire lineup thrilled to be a part of that so that's where we are hope everybody had a good weekend we're ready to roll today on a big night Monday night in Vegas for the national championship game takes a snap, looks in that direction, fires to Renfro. Renfro's got it in the end zone. Renfro with a touchdown that puts the Raiders ahead here in the fourth quarter. Hunter Renfro. 
Brent Musburger on the call. JT, back with you. Frank Hawkins will join us here in a little bit. Former Raider Super Bowl champion and a Vegas product. One of the more recognized athletes ever to play. Ever to play in Vegas. Looking forward to talking to Frank. Uh, Hunter Renfro on that highlight there. I had a buddy of mine ask me over the weekend, who do I believe will be the most improved Raider? I said, whoa. He said, what are you saying whoa for? You host the pre- and post-game show, JT. You usually don't pause. And I go, that's a great question. Who's going to be the most improved Raider? Ooh. And I said, well, let me call the offensive lines in kind of a rebuild, but they're going with younger players. So, you know, they got to give the offensive line time to gel. And I said, Josh Jacobs already has been well. Renfro, he just heard, is there. But to me, it jumped out. Obviously, it was Ruggs. Ruggs has got to be the most improved Raider player. There's not, not even close. I don't think there's anybody close in that conversation unless you believe it's got to be John Abram or Damon Arnett. So those are the three guys. Ruggs, first-round pick. John Abram, first-round pick. Damon Arnett, first-round pick. Okay, those guys need to be improved. And how are they going to be improved? Well, for Ruggs, it's going to be more chemistry with Carr. It's going to be him at the park with Carr. And Carr taking him aside and going, here, here's our body language. Here's how we look at each other. Here's our hand signals. And to do all that, you got to work hard. And this next guest is one of the hardest working athletes ever to come out of Vegas. The College Football Hall of Famer. And the legend from the Raiders, Super Bowl 18 winner, Frank Hawkins. Frank, good to talk to you. I hope you're well. Hey, man, how you doing? Good. You got to be doing well. You're Mr. Vegas. The economy's coming back. Your business is flourishing. People are getting the vaccine. Give me something positive about what you've seen in Vegas here last couple of weeks. Well, thank God. It's been the last couple of weeks is hopefully going to be indicative of what we see going forward. You know, plant, I'm Planet 13. Lord have mercy. You could say we almost had an explosion, but the COVID has hurt everyone. But Las Vegas, uh, the governor opened up to, what, 50 percent a week Mm -hmm. or so ago. And, you know, as we uh, continue to get better and we see more people get vaccinated and more people come back to Vegas and uh, to party and gamble and eat and experience all the great things that – Las Vegas has to offer with new one new addition, and that's uh, being able to get into the uh, Silver and Black Stadium. Yeah, Frank, I knew you were going to be there for every game, not only as a season ticket holder, but a great alumni and once a Raider, always a Raider. That hurt uh, not being able to go there week after week, but now this year we get an extra home game. So there'll be nine regular season games and hopefully full capacity, and that's kind of, I would assume, Frank, that's going to be your home away from home, right? Well, that's right. You know, I, I had a box in uh, Oakland for about five or six years, so I don't have my box yet. You know, the price changed, so I'm waiting <laughs> on my free ticket that I get <laughs> until, I, until I can afford to buy a box. That's for sure. Well, you'll be there a lot. Hey, Frank, I want to, for our audience that knows you in Vegas, but everyone around the country, around the world who listened to us online at the Raiders site, it was early in your life, Pop Warner to Western High School, and then the run that you had in college, the amazing run that you had in college at Nevada. Early on, you must have known you were a football player. Who gave you that encouragement? Who told you you had such a great skill set early? Well, you know, we used to play football in the streets, and my mother took me and about five of my friends 
uh, up to and introduced us to Pop Warner football. And so, you know, they said, what positions you guys all want to play? And I wanted to play running back, so I played running back and defensive back. But I loved the, the game. I loved the contact uh, from the time I was 12 years old, sitting there, uh, first time playing tackle football. You know, we played flag football all the time uh, at the park or, you know, in the street. But uh, the, the opportunity to be in a, a team sport uh, organized through Pop Warner, and, you know, it's amazing because it comes full circle. One of my business partners, Andre Rhodes, who played mm-hmm. football at Nevada and is a Las Vegas guy, is now running Pop Warner. So it, Nevada guys giving back to, you know, Pop Warner that gave so much to so many kids and continuing to do it. Frank Hawkins joins us. And, Frank, you were a strong strong football player what did you attribute that to was it your genetics the weight room the training because you were really physical as a blocker special teams a complete package and hard to bring down how did that happen so i i took great pride in knocking people out uh every every week when uh we would coach flores would bring the whole team together to watch the special teams uh so I wasn't at that time when I first got to the Raiders, uh, Mark Van Egan was there. So, you know, I was playing behind Mark Van Egan, who then got hurt. Uh, so I was playing more. But on special teams, that's really where I think I made my name by at least once a game, I'd knock out one of the either kick return guys or kickoff guys. And uh, But going back to high school, uh, I met a guy named Buford Cox. We used to mm-hmm. call him a man amongst men. The guy was... Six foot four, three hundred and something pounds, and he said, "I don't drink, smoke, or gamble, and that's not bad." Three out of five, but he was the guy that uh, really taught us how to lift weights. And by the time I went to college as a freshman, I went from one seventy something to one ninety, and just that that will to win and to be the best that you can be. Uh, you know, ultimately, as you grow, you learn to explode into people when you know you're going to have a collision. But uh, then my first experience with the Raiders, I got released. So I had a chip on my shoulder for the next seven years. So every play I wanted to decapitate somebody because I wanted them to, well, I looked at them as though they were responsible for Al Davis making a mistake and letting me go the first time. Frank Hawkins joins us, someone I highly respect, someone I highly respect within the organization. I told him I was having you on today. This was the text I got back. Frank was a character, very tough player, could really block a team leader, well-respected by everyone, coaches and players, might have been the strongest guy on the team, great on special teams, a vocal teammate, really enjoyed having him on the team. So that's what I wanted to talk and wrap up our interview with is that when I watched the 30 for 30 on Al Davis and Pete Rozelle, I saw you in the locker room and you were a guy, if you saw a reporter, if you saw someone, you were vocal. Where did you get that voice from? It sounds like that chip you had on your shoulder. And then you played with so many legendary teammates. Yes. Yes. You're so, so right. And so true. You know, Al Davis was born on the second, I think, or first. I was born on the third. 
But uh, I just think being a leader, I, I remember growing up and my mother would always say to me, it's not enough to be a great athlete. It's not enough to be a great uh, student. You you got to be great at everything you do if you really want, if you're sincere. So you want to be a good football player. You got to be a good teammate. You got to be a good husband. You got to be a good student. So as I progressed through life and and uh, was fortunate enough to get to know, you know, the Raiders and play with so many great all pros, everybody there wanted to help somebody else. Everybody was looking out for the other guy or the guy that came before him or the player mm-hmm. who might come after him. Even though that guy might take their position, that's the kind of guys that I play with. And, you know, how with his mystique and the will to win and, and his force, I mean, you wanted to win every game, not just for him, but for yourself and for your teammates and your family. But the, be- the best thing, i got to tell you this quick story. And to, 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 to signify what you're saying, the, the day we played the Super Bowl, the sun started to set. And when we walked out there to, to catch punts and, you know, stretch, special team guys would go out early. Every hair on the back of my neck stood straight out. And the same feeling I got after we won, when we went back to get our Super Bowl rings, and they showed the video, and uh, Musburger and... Um, the other guy, Billy, uh, Jimmy the Greek. Now, how mm-hmm. did I remember that? But anyway, I did. <laughs> so they said nothing. They say it's amazing. The darker it gets, the better they play. Nothing that moved, rolled, could beat the Raiders on Black Sunday. Man, that gives me chills thinking about that. But that's that's what my seven years was the best seven years in my athletic life. And being a part of the Raiders, and you know, we still have guys, there's about 30 or 40 guys on emails in Texas that go back and forth, if not every day, at least every other day, still checking on each other, still seeing how we're doing. Even guys that are saying, Happy Easter, and another guy will email back, and you got to say Passover, it's not Easter. But, but that's the kind of family the Raider family yeah. is. Frank Hawkins, last one. Who's the greatest teammate you ever played with? Oh, my God. Okay, I'm going to give them to you, not necessarily in order. It might be, it's got to be more than one because I was impacted by so many great people. Gene Upshaw, Art Shell, Dave Dalby, Jim Plunkett, Cedric Hardman, Raymond Chester, my hero, Derek Ramsey, uh, Matt Millen, uh, 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 John Matuzak. Ted Hendricks, my hero, uh, Lester Hayes, uh, uh, Mike Hayes, wow. Kenny King, Marcus Allen, Greg Pruitt. I mean, the list just goes on and on with so many impact players. And you know what? When they came together, it wasn't about them. It was about how do we win? We want to be the best. And I can say what most people who played in the NFL can't ever say. In 1983, 1980-83 season, we were the best in the world. And I'll take that with me even when I'm gone. Wow. Amazing. I knew it would be. Good to talk to you, Frank. I hope to see you soon. Keep it going in Vegas. You're the best. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you for calling. You got it. Frank Hawkins, Super Bowl champion with the Raiders. Great player. Found a role with the team and became a great Raider. And you hear the names that he rattled off? Raymond Chester, his hero. Matt Millen, 
Ted Hendricks. I mean, that's what the Raiders are trying to do. They're trying to get back to that level where Frank wasn't the best player on the team, but he was a hell of a player. He was great. The Hawk, 5,333 rushing yards at Nevada, ranks fourth all time in NCAA history when he left. Ricky Williams, Tony Dorsett, and Charles White. He was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame and had a nice career with the Raiders. And Al Davis had a lot of love and respect for him, and so does Mark Davis now. Really enjoyed that. All of those interviews go on the Raiders official team site at Raiders.com. Once a Raider, always a Raider. 702-365-9200 as we have time before the top of the hour. Mark Anderson from the Review Journal next hour. Looking for the go-ahead goal, left wing try, save, rebound, score! Minnesota does take the lead. This one comes at even strength on a rebound opportunity. Joel Erickson assisted on the goal moments ago. He has scored the go-ahead goal now. Two to one wild with 12.52 to go in the third. A little bit of a funk for your Vegas Golden Knights. JT back with you. That's Dan Duva, the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights as we continue here. To look at the schedule, didn't think they'd win every game this year. They're going to lose some, but riding a three-game losing streak. Here's the final call as they lose another. Into the Vegas zone with seven seconds. Greenway centering pass is blocked. Three seconds, two, one. This game is over. Minnesota wins it two to one. Two goals in the third period, and the Knights are winless in three. Yeah, they're not getting a lot of production. Uh, I think they need a... They need a kick in the butt by this guy, Peter DeBoer, who is really frustrated now, It's I'm sensing, because of the missed opportunities, the extra passes, giving up shots where they should be taking them. They just haven't been on the same page. We had some opportunities. I, I didn't think we went there enough, but we went. We had enough chances to really, I thought, to extend the lead when we were up one nothing and, and put them in a in a hole where they had to change their game and we didn't do that. We didn't we didn't stick the opportunities we had in the net and, and they did. Well, this is one of the few hockey teams in the NHL that has so much talent and depth on offense that there's only one puck, right? So everybody does not consistently have the ability to explode. Mark Stone's having a big year. Pacioretty has been the king of overtime. But I think there's a lot of guys on this team on the offense who haven't stepped up this year and got to be looking over their shoulders. They need to score more in bunches. The playoffs are, are uh, around the horizon here, and I think everybody's dialing in on, on playoff-type details in order to win. And the shot blocking was, was for sure a factor tonight. I think, you know, we, we directed a, a ton of shots to the net, but a lot of them didn't get through, and um, we've got to do a better job of finding ways to, to get pucks to the net. I'm not concerned at all. I'm just a hockey fan behind a microphone. But when this team gets to the playoffs, the pressure is going to be enormous when they go up against Minnesota, let alone Colorado waiting for them. And they got to get hot, and they got to hope for hot goaltending. The advantage that VGK has is they have two elite goaltenders who should be rested, should be rested where other goaltenders, the top goaltenders on other teams, are going to have a tough time in a 6-7 game series. And Peter DeBoer is going to have to find a way to manage the goaltending there 
a little bit concerned if you've been going to Golden Night Games over the last couple of weeks. I'd like to know what that experience has been like. I spent a lot of time there last year because I work at night. I've been able to get out there, but from going to practice to see them play, I just want to know if you're confident that this team is going to find their second run into the season. It's got to start right around now. Uh, News today, according to ESPN, another lawsuit has been filed against Deshaun Watson. This one alleging that he assaulted a licensed athletic trainer by touching her and exposing himself. The lawsuit was filed Friday night, made available on the Harris County District Clerk's website earlier today. And it said, quote, Watson's behavior is part of a disturbing and escalating pattern. It was the 22nd lawsuit filed by Houston attorney Tony Busby since March 16th. The plaintiff alleges that Watson grabbed her during a massage and while he was exposed, the lawsuit alleges Watson told the massage therapist that she had to sign a non-disclosure agreement before he would pay for the massage. So this guy gets way too many massages from people he doesn't know, solicits them, it looks like, via social media and Instagram. And the problem is he's not buttoned up, excuse the pun, when it comes to how he conducts his business outside the facility. So this is the 22nd, uh, 21st, excuse me, 21st allegation. And this is a really big deal. I don't know how he's going to get through this. This was supposed to be one of the biggest stories of the entire offseason, not these allegations, but where he would end up. And now it doesn't look like he's going to be going anywhere. He's not going to be going anywhere. And Indomitian Sue has re-signed with the world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers showing that everybody wants to come back. Everybody on this team who's coming back, literally everyone other than Antonio Brown, and waiting to see what happens with Antonio Brown on the offer they're going to give him. Seattle seems to be the front runner for A.B. to try to bring him in to work with Russell Wilson. Uh, That's the team where Gabe Jackson, the Raiders' right guard, ended up. So they're really hoping that they could get him, or maybe he wants to be part of that community in Tampa Bay that delivered a championship for him. So a lot of news today, pretty busy day, and tonight's the national championship game. I like Gonzaga to win. I think it'll be a close game. That game took a lot out of Gonzaga, a lot out of them. They had to play overtime against a very physical team, and they had to, you know, they they played their butt off Gonzaga, but they weren't great in the game. UCLA, to me, was a far inferior team than Gonzaga, and they should have beat them. So that led, leads me to believe that Baylor, who looked great against Houston, if they have one more game, great game left in them, Gonzaga's going to have their hands full. But I believe in destiny, and I think that Mark Few has a team of destiny here. All they have to do is take care of business and do the right thing and not turn it over and probably play with a lead. So that's what we're talking about. We'll reset with the national championship here at the top of the hour. Also, Mark Anderson will join us from the Las Vegas Review Journal. We'll talk to him. And then a little bit later on, we're going to have a college basketball guest who's going to jump in and join us to preview the game. As we are rolling into that, Cedric Golden is fantastic out of Austin, Texas. On this game, he covers Baylor. One hour up, one more to go on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio. Brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence. When I'm talking X's and O's off the air, 
I have a Remy Martin cocktail in my hand. 